There we go. We're live. Hello. Yes, we're in L.A. Freaking lit. All right, man. We're just going to get right into it, if that's cool with you. Yeah, All right, cool. Randy Valerio, host of the Ready, As Set, I sit down. Blow podcast. What's up, Ted Let's Jones? Let's go, man. How are you? Randy and I, Good. guys, have never met. But no, th- this we just guy, met in his lobby. Yeah, dude. This guy was super nice on Instagram DM. I hit him up like four or five months ago, seeing if he had any shows out here. And uh, now we just um, decided to do the podcast, man. How you been? Oh, shit. That's my phone. I should go turn that off. Who's blowing you up, dude? I don't know. Prob- yeah. you got probably some, some broad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's yeah, that? Where, do you, where do you record your podcast? I, uh, you I some record sort of third studio wheel. Setup. Uh, just up Quenga, right here. Okay. Uh, at, uh, like Quenga and Hollywood. Yeah, just turn that fucker off. There you go. Nice, man. That's, so, uh, That's his. Bro. Oh, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> Classic me getting texts from, I don't even know, dude. That was no, definitely mine, though. No chick. Whatever. Uh, so, Randy, guys, we just spoke about it briefly. Grew up in Ridgewood, Queens. I was I telling did. him how, uh, well, not fully, but I used to work there at, you there you go. I used to work in my off. dad's company, real estate company. So, I was in the Bushwick, uh, Ridgewood area a lot, man. So how was that growing up in New York and then compared to living out here in L.A.? <laughs> uh, well, I'm older, so I don't know how old you are. I'm, I'm 39, so I'm I grew 30. up in the 80s and 90s, and it's not as hip as it was now. I mean, it was a, you know, a blue-collar neighborhood. I, I don't want to say dangerous because it just was a different time, but, I mean, New York overall was way more dangerous than it is now. Um, but I always tell people, it's like, you know, I grew up poor, and I didn't realize until I left because we all, you know, we played fucking football in the street and shit, you know, uh, you know, blind man's bluff in the, in the fucking, in the gate. Like I, I, it, it was a full childhood. Like I did things. So I didn't, I didn't appreciate how different that was until I left. Um, and compared to out here, I mean, it's obviously this place is physically paradise, but I love the people back East better. better. The oh, people yeah. up here are way more uptight than I would think. It's supposed, so? supposed to be laid back, but they're all up their own ass. I mean, they're really, and I'm not trashing everybody. Here. I obviously have good friends here and whatnot, but like, like on the whole, I just think the people back east are funnier and are more uh, acceptable to breaking balls and that kind of thing. Out here, I mean, you, like you know, you make a you, you make a comment that people don't like, and you're the fucking you're like a leper. You yeah. know, like, I mean, like it's fucked up. Can so, I curse on this thing? Yeah, okay. dude, of course. <laughs> like five I don't or know, six man. curses. You might have been good. one of those dry bar comics. I don't <laughs> <laughs> good, bro. So um, going to you said you went to school in Manhattan. So yeah. You just took the train in uh, every day. To the yeah. City. So I went to they called them magnet schools back then, but I guess they're like. I guess like charter schools now, but it was basically half funded by the city, by the board of education and half funded uh, by Sandy Weil and Citigroup. It was called the high school of economics and finance. So it was like, instead of taking like shop or home ec or shit like that, I took like accounting, you know, business finance, stuff like that. So it was just a, a different high school, but I used to take the training every day, freezing my ass off taking the M train. And where'd you go to college? Uh, I went to Brown. Oh, nice, man. Ivy League. All right, cool. So let's break it down. How did you get out here to L.A.? We talked about how you briefly moved out here, or we briefly talked about how you moved out here in 2019, right before the pandemic. Uh, so, I, uh, so I've so i been opening up for Jeff Dye on the road since like 2018. Um, and Jeff Dye. Jeff cool. Dye, the comic. Uh, very funny guy. Good buddy yeah. of mine. And he'd been trying to get me out here since then, and I kept pushing it off because I, you know, I enjoyed, because I started out in Boston. I enjoyed living in Boston. I had a good thing going there. I was, you know, I was basically just getting my feet wet. Um, cause I started in 2016, so I didn't have, you know, <laughs> the chops to be doing that kind well, of shit. Were you just doing like the Wilbur laugh Boston? I mean, I wasn't doing the Wilbur. I was doing, yeah, you, you do Knicks, uh, you did, yeah. And, and Boston's a lot of bar shows. I mean, like the comics kind of run basically until you get past at laugh Boston, which is like the a club in town. Um, you're kind of just doing, you know, bar shows and host spots at like Knicks or, uh, or like the, the CBS scene and down in Foxborough. Um, so I started out there and, you know, I had a lease and all this and I was 
just getting comfortable in the in, in comedy. So finally, I broke down in 2019 when my lease was up. He's like, you're going to come out? I'm like, all right. So I just sold all my shit, bought a car, and drove across the country. You ever do Somerville? I did the Crystal Ballroom opening for my buddy Julio Gallerati like six weeks Ballroom. ago. It's like a bar mitzvah wedding center I haven't in done Somerville, that. right? I've done like the, yeah, the Rockwell Theater. There's a lot of the, the fucking, uh, the Burn. They've been running a show at the Burn in Somerville for uh, since before I started comedy, so there's some pretty good. Show. So there's some pretty good comedy in terms of starting out. Yeah, well, and getting I mean, your base I love. Yeah, I love starting there. I, you know, I tell people like I'm glad I did because I feel like if starting here would have been a fucking nightmare in New York. I mean, there's so much more pressure. There's obviously a lot of spots, but I mean, the open mics here are pretty terrible. I mean, at least the open mics back in Boston, like it'll be at a bar, and you know, there'll be people at the bar, and they won't know comedy is about to happen. So you kind of surprise them with the fucking, you know, with the surprise comedy show. But at least there are live people. You and can, they're usually pretty packed though in Boston. Uh, it depends on the bar show, but I've, I mean, I've done, you know, spot, we've all done spots for two people. Um, but at least you have, you know, an audience and Boston has like a long comedy history. So there's a lot of fucking shows, a lot of comics, but a lot of shows. I mean, I was doing, uh, two shows a night my first two years. Oh, wow. Every that's night, great. you know, it's like New York kind of vibes. Yeah. But that's the thing. There's no, there's none of the pressure of it. Like, like, I feel like you're always an open micer in the city you started in. So climbing out of that hole is tough in LA, New York. Like if you're trying to move, cause you're still going to be the open mic in a lot of people's eyes, but then you leave and you have some skill like, Oh, this guy's good. Or this girl's got some, got some talent. Um, and you go to a different city and you can kind of move up like that. That's kind yeah. of how I felt a little bit coming here initially the first time when Shuey and I, Shuey behind the camera, by the way, Shout guys, still, still in uh, LA here. But like when we first came out like five months ago, I was having some luck in getting shows and whatever. I hit you up. You responded, obviously, which is, yeah. you know, maybe not such a New York thing that people would do. Like when people reach out to me from out of town, they're coming in as long as they have like a recommendation or something. And yeah, they I just somebody the show, for them or they look legit yeah, or they've done like, shows that I respect exactly, the booker. You know, that exactly, kind of thing. man. So like, if the Instagram feed has some action on it, it looks like you do stand up or whatever, you know, obviously you'll give somebody a chance. But like the second time, I feel like for the most part, we're getting more shows, getting more traction. And it seems like people are nicer out in L.A., which is unheard of compared to New York. Well, right? I'll tell you, I'll tell you that, like you'll coming out from outside of town, they'll, they'll give you spots. But I, but I, I feel like that's the case. Like if you know a comic in town in any city, you know, like I'll go to fucking Dallas and I have some comic friends there, and they're like, oh, I'll get you on this, get you on that. And it's, it's, I mean, every fucking time you get booked, it's basically an audition for that booker saying, hey, this guy's legit. And every time he's in town, I'll give him a spot, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, but you're right, man. I mean, like, you can't just give anybody who DMs you a, uh, a shot because, I mean, being a comedian is like one step above being homeless. See, you know, like Jerry Seinfeld said it. Jerry Seinfeld said it. It's the only job where you, like, the moment you do it, you, you hold the title. Like, I, like the, uh, the guy, an open micro does it once, and Jerry Seinfeld. Or both technically comedians. Oh, yeah. so, so like smoking you know, crack one time, people maybe call you crack. Yeah, crack. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like but it's also the only profession where you start out at the hardest level. I mean, like, you know, you get the funniest comic alive today and you put them in the worst fucking open mic and they'll do okay, but it's going to be a lot harder than doing a room full of 500 people there to see you. You know, like, so totally. you, you only, it's the only thing, like, you don't start out as a doctor doing surgery and then work your way and then it gets easier from there. You know, like you like work your way up to the surgery. So it's kind of it's kind of the reverse in that way. It's interesting how you mentioned that coming out here in 2019. You had the connection. Jeff Dive, amazing comedian. But besides that, how did you kind of navigate yourself around? And then how long have you been doing your podcast as well? Uh, that, yeah, that over here. Yeah. So the podcast. So just getting back to L.A. I mean, it was just going to the shows with Jeff and meeting the, you know, the bookers and the other comics. And honestly, it's really the other comics that get you started anywhere at all in this business. I feel like like. They vouch for you, like I said, they vouch for you so you can get other spots, but also they'll book shows, right? I mean, like how many comics 
have a show they book once a week or once a month. So they have constant stage time and they can dole it out to get stage time from other comics, you know? So that, that's kind of how it started. And just really just hanging with comics. I mean, like that's, I, that's such a big part of it that I think I enjoy that some, particularly out here, because there's not as many people like to drink and hang around after shows where that camaraderie doesn't build. That's really, I mean, like in Boston, you know, we bullshitted with all, you know, with all the guys and gals that were at the open mic. So you sort of build a community and then once they get spots, you can get spots from them. You know, like, so it's not kind of, you know, each, you know, one hand, you know, scratch the other, whatever the fuck this is. You know. As you mentioned <laughs> that. Whatever the saying is. I, yeah, I saw. I don't know, I smoked weed this morning. I, I, I'm I saw a little retarded. All huh? good, bro. So did I, though. So did I. And then I've gotten the cameraman a little bit to blaze here and there, but there not go. so much. We went. Oh, to- that's why he's so steely-eyed over there, not saying much. <laughs> Dude, that's Got from it, the, all right. Yeah, he's making me feel like weird. two days ago. I was like, am I fucking, am I missing something here? We, or I saw on your podcast, you had Janelle Draper, Janelle, amazing comic. Yeah, and she girl. was on one of my shows in New York, and then I reached out to her out here, and she got me a show in Hermosa Beach, and then was saying, "Oh, would I you do? Uh, you do my buddy's uh, Danos? Bro? Yes, that and great then, yeah, one. Dano Car every Monday night, guys. Poncho, yeah, bro. And then he has, um, or well, tonight he has the Poncho show, but yep. he had and one the in Thursday Hermosa rooftop Beach. show. Yeah, yep. so um, that was a great show, amazing to stop by. And then we'll see. I maybe I'm maybe gonna stop by Haha Comedy Club later, but I mean, do you have any recommendations for a comic who's working in New York? They come out to LA for the first or second time. What the shit should they do? Uh, well, like you said, you know, f- uh, like I was saying earlier, hit up your comic friends. I'll tell you the show's worth going to um, and checking out and, and being a part of. I think, uh, you know, that's probably the best advice I can give just because, like you said, a th- bookers get a thousand fucking emails a day uh, or DMs and that might get lost in the sauce. But if you get an introduction from a comic to somebody else, that's really the best. I mean, like, it's like the fucking mafia, you know, like if somebody vouches for you. It goes a lot long. It, it goes a long way. It's a reference, you yeah, know. Like it, yeah. it goes a long way. Um, but then getting back to the podcast, I started that like fucking three months after I started comedy. So it, it all stemmed from me and my buddy, who he and Jeff, uh, my buddy Chase Abel, is a comic back in Boston. He and Jeff kind of talked me into doing comedy because I'd always been a fan, and they were friends of mine. And um, they're from Boston too. Uh, no, Chase is Jeff's from Seattle, but I met him in Boston because Chase, he and Chase were friends before I met. Uh, Chase introduced me to him, and. You know, they were like, oh, you're funny. You should, you know, you should do this. And then I finally got the time to do it and jumped in. And like shortly after that, I, you know, after every fucking open mic, me and my buddy Chase would be talking shit, you know, just rapping or whatever, smoking weed outside and, and talking with other comedians. And we were like, we should just do this as a podcast. I said to him. What year like, was that? It's 2016. Holy yeah, shnikes, so the podcast bro. You're like the first podcast nah, ever. Not even close. <laughs> I'd listen to because my, my old job, I used to be uh, in finance for a long time and I would listen to him at work. So I was familiar with him, but Chase wasn't. He's like, what is a podcast? It's basically just a taped conversation. So we, so in 2016, wow, we did like- that. F- he didn't even know. Yeah. That's so we did like four or five just sitting around and I would record it. And then finally, January like 2nd, 2017, he's like, you want to release one of those? I'm like- all right, fuck it, let's do it. And that's how it started. So I started with him. Uh, we ran together from 2017 until the beginning of this year. So we did five years. Uh, and then he started his own podcast, Cut to the Chase. And I still do Ready, Set, Blow every week, every Wednesday. So check it out. Subscribe. Yeah, it's amazing. on YouTube Ready, and anywhere set, you get your podcast, Spotify, fucking Apple, all that. And you, and you have great guests as well. So you are bringing in just basically all LA comics. You're bringing in actors as well. Uh, actors, comics. I, see, in the past, we started out with just our friends. And then it started to dovetail into most of our friends being comics. And we've had, you know, the mayor of uh, Boston on or Charlestown, whatever. Oh. We've had, you know, uh, 
big time professors from the Berkeley School of Music and psychology. We had, we had a, like a shrink on, you know, do like a fucking life therapy episode. Um, so we've done different things like that. But out here, it's just uh, lately, it's just mostly my comic friends because they're the ones who have the time during the day to fuck around and do a podcast. Yeah, you know, like, my my friends are real jobs. We'll I'm like, yeah, dude, I can record a Tuesday at two. And they're like, no, man, <laughs> I got work. You know, like I can't, I can't just fuck off and go drink with you in a studio for an hour. Like, What's been your favorite club out here, if you're allowed to say it, not shooting yourself in the foot? Um, I'll t- my favorite hang right now is at the improv. And that's just probably a good, fu- probably a function of, you know, I have a lot of friends that go there and also I live really close, but I mean, you know, obviously the, 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 you know, the fucking Holy Trinity of the comedy store improv and, and the laugh factory, those are probably the three best clubs in town. Um, but I remember, you know, I've, I've done sets at, I haven't done the laugh factory yet, but I mean, both the comedy store and the, and the improv are great, but I re- I used to really enjoy the, uh, the ice house out, out in Pasadena. That thing closed down though. I don't know if it's going to open back up. Um, I never heard of that. Yeah, but the, but I'll tell you, my favorite clubs to play are the clubs on the road when I go with Jeff. There's, no, I mean, like road crowds are way more realistic than the LA crowd. I feel like there's like tricks to the LA crowd that you can play well, you, and things you can and like topics you can't like they'll be easier and, or tougher to, to try and weave your way through. Whereas I feel like on the road you can do whatever the fuck you want. People are always receptive. Well, you also part. say kind of like uh, when somebody's coming to see you, it's way easier than whatever yeah. you do in the open. Yeah, and then, like look, they're that. not coming to see me on the road. On the road, but it is more of an event. Where in LA, it's like you know people go to the comedy store before they go to fucking Bootsy Bellows or something. Like it's like a, it's more of a scene. It's not like the it's not like the the centerpiece of their night. You know, for the most part, um, not like the way it is anyway. Like if you go to fucking. You know, if, if you're in, you know, Dayton, Ohio, I mean, like, that's like, you know, they're out for a good time and, and you feel that. Whereas LA, it's a little more blase. Everyone's kind of too cool for school out here sometimes. How did you handle the pandemic moving out here and just being out here for what, six months? Yeah, so even, um, even less because I spent the, I spent January 2020, I went and did the Fringe World Festival in Australia, which was awesome. So I got to do that before everything closed down. So I really got like five months. Um, the pandemic was tough, but I'm glad I moved out here instead of stayed back east because I'd have been trapped in the house as opposed to like at least here where there was a smattering of outdoor shows like I hosted an outdoor show for the stand-up New York guys at the rooftop of the Kimpton Hotel for you know six months which gave me some work to do uh you know I was able to like hike and go outside and shit like dude if I was back in Boston I'd be freezing my tits off it, like it wouldn't be wouldn't be nearly as fun and you know thankfully I had a good group of friends who were able to kind of hang out with each other but in terms of comedy it did gr- I mean I feel like it, it the pandemic helped separate the wheat from the chaff a little bit and that like the people who weren't really serious about trying to make a run at, at this, at this, you know, in this industry kind of fell by the wayside, yeah. you know, and then a lot of people moved too, which is great. I mean, you know, people leaving for Austin or Phoenix or wherever the fuck they went meant more, you know, more stage time out here, which was, which is sort of a, uh, a silver lining. Um, but then I also just spent a lot of time fucking making jokes on the internet, man, doing those stupid tweet yeah, jokes man, the meme that people God. took off. Yeah. Like just making memes like that. I had like a thousand followers on Instagram before the pandemic and now I have whatever, 38,000, wow, like, like that, that took off for me. Were you doing a lot of sketches too? No, I've never really done sketches. I, I, that, I got into that though, writing those jokes by accident. I was doing it on my stories and people liked them. And then I posted one on my feed and a meme account, like reposted it without, tagging me and my friends saw it and like gave, were giving this guy shit and he reached out to me and said, hey man I didn't know this was yours or whatever wait wasn't it a tweet though yeah, I, well, no I, the first one I did was just like a text like I just did it on my, my, my notes oh it didn't like, yeah, 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 just, I just threw it. yeah I, I didn't he's like, he's like if you do it like this and he told me if you just do it on Twitter cut it and paste it I'll, I'll tag you I'm like alright and then he would repost and he had like 6 million followers so that really like helped me take off in that respect what was the best part about moving to LA from Boston besides the weather and besides yeah. your career, you know, trajectory upwards? Um, 
Is there any I, sense of camaraderie that you didn't have back in Boston that you now it's, have it's in LA? It's different. I have a, it's a, it's a, I, that, that's, I think that, I mean, any place kind of becomes comfortable if you have a good group of friends. I mean, like, thankfully I had a, I, you know, Jeff had introduced some good people and then I lucked out and met some, you know, uh, great roommates that I, you know, lucked out to find and, you know, develop friendships with them. But dude, like even in prison, like, you know, if you're with your friends, it ain't so bad, you know? <laughs> so, so it made the, you know, the pandemic a lot more bearable. Um, and I think it's just, you know, that's, that's kind of the nice part of it. Cause obviously the fucking career stuff, you can get bogged down in it. Um, you know, you, you, you ha- I have friends back East, you miss them. You f- my family's back there, but, uh, but thankfully, you know, the crew of friends I surrounded myself with, have, you know, kept my spirits up for the most part. Do you ever go to jail or you just mentioned, no, like- I got arrested, dude. I got arrested once oh, shit. Uh, on my, I, it's so funny on my way out here from boss, from Boston to LA, I was driving, driving out here. Yeah. So I stopped, I did it over like a week, week and a half. And I was stopping in, you know, I stopped like New York, DC, uh, Nashville, Dallas, uh, Phoenix, and then LA. And I did comedy in all of them, but on my drive from Dallas to Phoenix, uh, I got pulled over in Abilene, Texas, West Texas, real shit kicker town. I mean, like, you know, and, uh, you know, the cops, uh, said he smelled weed. I'm like, that's impossible. He's like, how's that impossible? <laughs> You're like, I smoked two hours I was, ago. I was, I was, I was like, I've never smoked weed. In, I, was, I haven't smoked weed in this car. It's a brand new car. He's like, well, I smell it. I can get a dog out here or, you know, and we can take all afternoon. It was a Sunday. Um, or you can just let me know if you have some. I was like, well, yeah, it's in my trunk, but it's my medicine. I showed him my medical card from this. And it's like, it looks it's like a fuck, Massachusetts. And it looks it's like a state, legal, it's a state right. issued ID. And my, and my, and the, and the marijuana was six chocolate bars that were 600 milligrams each. And they had, each of them had my name, my address and the amount of THC on them. Like you would any pharmaceutical product. All right. And he's like, oh, you know, this is a misdemeanor. Right. And then he looks at the labels. He's like, oh, this is too much. I'm like, what do you mean too much? They're too potent. You know, it's a felony now. So I got arrested for it. Guy fucking hauls me in year and a half later and whatever, $7,000 in legal fees and bail and all this other bullshit. The the judge ended up dropping the charges, but they actually wanted to prosecute me. At least the DA did. And I was stunned by this because on the way into the fucking prison, on the way to the booking center, uh, you know, I'm handcuffed and the fucking, the cops talking, they're making small talk with me. He's like, uh, he's like, oh, so what do you do? I was like, I'm a comic and I'm I'm moving from Boston to LA. Uh, it's like, I didn't know I couldn't have you know, the trunk, blah, blah. So, so I asked him like, what's your biggest, you know, like, what are you guys really dealing with out here? But you know, besides this, he's like, oh, our biggest problems are pedophilia and meth. And I'm like, and I'm like, and I'm like, and I'm like, you got me in the car, dude. He's like, like, this is, this is low priority business here. They're like, what, what a fucking colossal waste of resources. How many milligrams of weed were you allowed to be carrying? Cause what, well, that's the thing they treat. If I was, ca- if I was carrying the same amount in a bag of flour, it wouldn't have been a felony charge, but because it's concentrate, they have like those old like cocaine type style rules where like crack oh, is ten times as you know uh, you get ten times as sentence as you would coke powder it's cocaine. Like a schedule well, like, one, yeah. If you have like like vapes or or distilled marijuana, it's like ten times as fucking uh, you know state uh, statewide illegal in, in Texas than flour. So it was literally six chocolate six six hundred chocolate bars, thirty six hundred milligrams of weed. Got me. I was facing technically two to 20. I mean, my lawyer was like, you'll never do any time for this. The question is, though, whether or not you're going to get probation and a felony on your record or not. And obviously you don't want to feel because it's fucking tough to get an apartment after that. Um, But thankfully, it all all got dropped. But I mean, that was that was fucking, you know, that was a little spooky. And it was also I was just so annoyed by this bullshit. Like what? Like, why are you stopping me? Like, I wasn't like this is this is not important. Why did you get stopped? I'm a 30. At the time, I was like a 37 year old, like a fucking middle aged guy. 
you know, not even moving to Texas, just driving through. I'm like, this is a colossal. They were thinking about making me come to, uh, to see a probation officer in Texas once a month. So I would have to have flown back to Texas. And the judge is like, you really, the judge asked the DA, he's like, you really want to do this? He's like, yeah. He's like, this is a, a waste of money and time. He's like, we got a backlog a year and a half long. He's like, I don't have time for this case. Like, this is petty bullshit. And he dismissed it. The judge, thankfully, threw it out. We drop like I don't understand. Were you going over the speed limit? Is that why you got stopped? That, yeah, but reportedly. But I but what I really think it was. Um, my lawyer told me is that in that county, I think it's Taylor County, Texas. They they do that a lot for kids coming down from Colorado and from Arizona where weed is legal, just bringing it into Texas. And I had Massachusetts plates. In Massachusetts, it was, it was oh, legal. Okay. I think the cop just took a flyer. That's why he said, I said, he, he judged the yeah, book his by probable his cause, I smell weed in the car. I'm like, it's impossible. It's a brand new car and I haven't smoked in it. That's why I wasn't smoking in the car. Was, I wanted to smell brand new. Yeah. So like, if I wanted to get high, I would literally pull over, you know, like to a rest stop, you know, and, and go for a fucking lap around the goddamn, you know, wherever the, People take the dog to shit and smoke a joint and then get back in the car. I definitely never smoked in the car. Yeah, but you so. made it to L.A. cleanly. So how comfortable are you on stage right now? Are you, like, opening for Jeff? Are you doing 20 minutes? What does that look uh, like? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm middling. It depends. So so the the deal I had with Jeff, um, even from the start, was he's like, yeah, he's like, I, you know, he's like, I can get you time. He's like, I don't know if I can get you past the club. He's like, all right, if you just get me on stage, I'll let the booker, the manager, the club owner pass me and then come back in. So anytime I do a new club with him, I'll, I'll go in and do, you know, 10, 15 minute guest spots, kind of an audition and, you know, then I'll get passed or not fast for the most part, thankfully. But now, you know, probably half the clubs I, I middle form doing, you know, 20, 30 minutes. And how much time do you usually do here when you go to places like the store improv? Yeah, they do like 15 minute spots around those here. Those are like the house shows? Yeah, the, the showcase shows. Probably the longest I've done it stage is like 40, 45 minutes. Um, what was that occasion? Uh, I did it in, I closed a, I closed a few shows uh, the one that comes to mind is in Australia. It was probably, I probably did about 40 minutes. And that's probably the longest that I've done in the last two, three years. Damn. Um, I've done, you know, half an hour other places, but th- there they pay me to headline. So I did it. And the way they do it is it's kind of interesting. They'll, they'll have like, they'll have like four opening acts, right? And they'll each do like 10 or 15. So they'll do like, the host, in Australia. Yeah. The host will go up. Then they'll have like two acts. Then they'll have like an intermission so people can get more drinks. Literally, like just to stop them to go to the bar and then come back and do you know another two acts and then you'll cut and then the headliner will come it's like up. Like a Broadway show. Yeah, it, it, which which I was like, but it was like, it was at a bar. There's probably a hundred people at the fucking thing. But I was like, this is interesting, which is kind of different. Cause like that, you know, back in the day in Boston, they used to do it differently too. Like, it used to be like Lenny Clark and friends, and Lenny Clark would host the show and he would be the draw. And he would, you know, and he would do, you know, 20 up front and 10 in between each and then have like four of his buddies come and do the, so they kind of flipped it on its head where the headliner was like the first guy to come out and host the show. That was like Boston back in the day. So it was just a different format in Australia, uh, which is kind of cool. Saw uh, Kevin Nealon the other night at Improv. So fun. Funny. And I haven't been to the Improv until that time. And then I saw the other day Sandler was there. So th- do they just have like pop-ins from people all the time? Yeah, that happens all the time. I mean, that's one of the cooler things about LA. Like you'll be on, you know, I mean, it's, it's not even that big of a show, but then all of a sudden, like I was doing ponchos, you know, a couple weeks ago and Ali Wong comes that's in and, does, and, and does a spot, you yeah. know, because she lives down there. Um, that happens in New you know, York, man, super, too. Supernova's another great show out here. Okay, yeah, I saw if, that. If you get into that, there's always you know, huge fucking head, you know, stars on that on that show, which is always funny. Like, you know, it's like, you know, oh, here comes fucking Craig Robinson, and I got to come up with my dick and shit jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and they usually do like 10, 15 also? Uh, yeah, they'll give you 10s um, at, at Supernova, just because so many comics try to stop by. So they're trying to rein it in, but... 
Right. You know, how long you been in the game, bud? So uh, I started to get more seriously, more, excuse me, more serious about stand up, like right before the pandemic as well, because I was doing improv. Like, okay. I was a big improv guy. And then once the pandemic hit, I was like, shit, how can I get more stage time? Because UCB closed down uh, in yeah. New York. I know it's still open out here, but like that was my main thing. I love doing improv. And then once shows started to come back, I did a... I did the Ted Jones comedy show at Asylum NYC, which is in Chelsea. And I was familiar with the owner of the stand just because like I had been going to the stand for years. Mm. And I told him one time he should come to the show at Asylum NYC. He was like, why don't you do the show at the stand? So I've been doing the show at the stand for nice. like the past uh, 18 months, something like that. Are you a native New Yorker? Or are you yeah, I was born in New Brunswick, New Jersey. And then six weeks after that, moved to Manhattan. Both my parents got jobs. And I've been in Manhattan ever since. I went to UConn for college. Okay, But, uh, you know, sprinkle some time and how long here you out here Miami. you trying to make a move out to LA I, what's the deal I don't know bro each time I come I like it a little bit more but like initially I freaking hated it dude what did you like about it it was just so slow like you think it's that slow you know what it is man it was like I think through certain parts that's the other thing too LA's so fucking big every neighborhood is a complete other thing like people out in Santa Monica never come to Hollywood people in Hollywood never go to the valley it's just it's one of those things like it, it's it's like comparing uh, you know it's like comparing New York to Boston if you're it, like comparing Santa Monica to Pasadena it's com- like, two completely different like vibes the, and the people don't and the people don't overlap they, like they, the like, Brooklyn you know. kind of scene like people in the Lower East Side will go to Williamsburg because it's close it's just yeah, the yeah, yeah. But like going from Williamsburg to Chelsea like no people will not do that and then also here the first day we had an issue we forgot to get toothpaste after this entire day of grocery shopping so like now what we have to go out and get one thing of toothpaste you know yeah. in New you York get in your car and dude, drive yeah, in New York four you walk, miles you to walk out <laughs> you get coffee you get toothpaste and you go to the gym it takes an hour total yeah. like that in LA there is a, con- there is a lack hours. of convenience factor out here for sure I mean shit closes early uh, you have to, driving everywhere I mean my car's beat the fucking shit yeah, you know? and I only got it because I moved out here I mean when I lived on the east coast the entire time I was there I didn't own a car I mean, they, like, for, I, you know, I, I grew up there, but then I came back right after college from 05. I had like, I leased a car for one year while I was uh, with this, with this girl. And then I got rid of it after we split up. Um, but other than that, I had, I mean, dude, I rode a bike around from gig to gig in Boston, like a bicycle. And it was fuck it. Cause Boston's a small town. It's flat. You know, no, no problem with traffic. Dude, that's why I was, I was able to do like three fucking spots a night. I had no problem getting from one place to another. Do you think that people, if they move out here, 100% need a car? Or can dude, they that slowly was a, get away Chris with Chris Frangiola gave me that advice. Uh, shout out Chris Frangiola, very funny comic. He, uh, I was doing, I was opening for him in, I think, Tacoma. And it was before I moved out here. I was out there uh, visiting, some, oh, no, it was, it, maybe it was in Seattle. No, it was, sorry, Phoenix. That's stir crazy. Visiting somebody. Um, and I opened for him at some spots there. And he's, uh, I like, yeah, I'm going to move out. You got any advice? He's like, the best piece of advice I can give you is buy a reliable car. He's like, he's like, he's like, nothing fucking fancy. He's like something that like spare parts are readily available and cheap. You know, like a Corolla, a fucking Honda Accord, a Civic, you know, a Subaru, some shit. Like just some shit that will fucking run no matter what. Cause cause you're going to be in it most of the time. And he was dead right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, dude, if you have a gig in fucking North Hollywood and then one, uh, you know, in Culver city, I mean, that's a good 40-minute drive depending on the time the, of day. Is that the kind of stuff that you're still doing? Uh, Traveling from, like, North Hollywood to a Culver City or a Venice I mean, I'll go something. anywhere for a spot. I'm a, I'm a whore. Just like I'll do any fucking podcast. You're special, Ted, but not that special. I am a podcast <laughs> whore. I'll do anybody's show. It's, it's time on the microphone. It's fucking, you know, I like talking to other comics. You know, I need to practice on stage. 
So I'll, I mean, I've, the other night I drove to fucking Monrovia, which is, you know, like 20 miles east of Pasadena. We landed and we went straight to Hermosa Beach. So like that was, that was kind of a schlep, but oh, I mean, yeah. it was fine. It was a good show. That's fine. the thing, dude. I mean, the tr- I, I missed the traffic out because when I moved, like the pandemic hit right away and the roads were wide open. So I was like, oh, this ain't so bad, man. I was going hiking like way out in Malibu and it took me 20 minutes to get there. I don't know what people are talking about. Yeah. Now fucking forget it, dude. Like just me going back down Santa Monica Boulevard to my side of West Hollywood is going to take me 20 minutes. Have you figured, have <laughs> like, you figured out the timing in LA? Like when you can drive somewhere? Oh yeah, dude. So I drive for Uber to make extra cash. When, if I'm not working a weekend on the road or something, I'll, I'll uh, and I've I've laid out the city pretty well, and it's uh, it's astonishing. I mean, like everyone has to drive in town, so every asshole, even if they have no experiences behind the wheel, I mean, people doing wild shit, dude, driving out their headlights at night, you know, making a right hand turn from the left lane, a lot of that shit, <laughs> and a lot of and a lot of passive aggressive shit. That's the other thing too. Like they won't fucking make a move. They won't make a you know they're scared to make a left. They won't creep into the box. And as a New Yorker, I mean, I learned how to drive in New York, you know, illegally. <laughs> and then I, you know, fucking you know, cheated to get my actual license. But, <laughs> but, but I mean, like you got to get aggressive. Like you, like if there's space, you fill it, you know, like out of here, people just fucking, I think that, I think everyone here is just lost in their phone. Cause everyone's trying to get fucking TikTok famous in this town. I mean, every corner, dude, you see it, you go outside right now. You, if you paint a, a set of wings on the side of this building within 30 minutes, it'd be a line of chicks. You could put up a rope and charge them five bucks for the photo, man. <laughs> fuck Tinder, yeah, fuck dude, Bumble. Pink and paint, then butterfly. Paint, yeah, paint butterfly wings outside of your building and they'll come to you. Dude, that pink wall on Melrose down at Paul Smith. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, a yeah, line yeah, of yeah, Asian yeah. chicks getting ready for their foot fo- to get famous in China, taking a photo on that pink wall. <laughs> it's crazy, son. It's wild. It's way, it's crazy. Do you miss New York at all, man? Yeah, I do. Uh, When's the last time you were back also? Oh, just a few, a few weeks ago, a month, month and a half ago. I go back, you know, four or five times a year between comedy and and family stuff. Um, I miss the people. I mean, New York itself is a slog. I mean, let's be honest. It's, it's the most crowded, loneliest place on earth. You know, I mean, like you, you could walk, you'd be in the subway all day seeing hundreds of millions of people and not make eye contact with one of them because obviously you're not supposed to. It's fucking rude. <laughs> As a New Yorker, you know this. You know, making eye contact is a threat. But, <laughs> you know, you might as well spit on them. But, uh, but there are parts of it I miss. I mean, obviously the, the food, you know, that's one thing out here people complain about too. Like, because most people out here are transplants. Like, oh, you know, the pizza's better back in Chicago. Or like, they don't have Philly cheesesteaks the way they do in Philly. I'm like, yeah, asshole, because it's L.A. You know, like, I don't go to China looking for fucking, well, to see how their lasagna is. Yeah. You know, like, you're, like, you're barking up the wrong tree. Eat what they eat out here. You know, go to In-N-Out and shut the fuck up. But, like, but, uh, so I, when I go back, I make sure I do all those things. I get the pizza, I get the Chinese takeout. You know, I go to the, I go to the, the wing spot or whatever, you know, all the, all the local stuff I like to do. But, yeah, there are parts that I don't miss. The subway's disgusting. You know, the, just, just people breathing on you. You know, I mean, like, out here, you have a little more space, which is nice. Do you have any touring dates coming up or big spots that uh, uh, you're excited for? I do. So I got this weekend. I don't know when this comes out, but uh, September Thursday. Tw- oh, Thursday. So Perfect. this weekend. So this weekend, September 22nd, 23rd. I'll be at Hyenas Comedy Club in Dallas with Jeff Dye, four shows. And then uh, and then I'll be at the uh, the Big Pine Comedy Festival uh, in October. I think it's the 21st to the 23rd. How are we getting That's down? That's going to be in San Diego this year. So. How are you getting down to Texas? You flying down there? Yeah, I'm flying. To- oh, dude, my fucking, it's my first time flying Spirit. And the only reason I, I try to avoid it because it's so it's so bad, but there was the, it was the only uh, airline that had direct flights at times that worked for me, and I think the reason they increased the flights is because I think they got bought up by JetBlue. Oh, I had heard. Some so manager. I'm hoping to God it's JetBlue airplanes they that just I'm on. Gutted the entire. Uh, yeah, I hope. Well, I hope it's a JetBlue flight. And they just have the Spirit logo. I'm praying to God. 
But, you know, they fucking nickel and dime everything. It's like, oh, you can bring a personal item. But then, like, if you bring shoes, like, that's the second personal <laughs> item. You can't, you, you know. You bring one shoe, yeah. but the second Dude, one you'll see people, They got photos on the internet of people waiting in line with, like, layers of clothes because they don't want to pack it. Oh, yeah, 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 And they'll, they'll be like, hey, there's Classic. too many clothes. We'll charge you on that. And the fuck it, they got, I think, I think Spirit Airlines has folding chairs in it. It might be a standing room only section in the back. I don't, <laughs> Spirit Airlines, I don't know how the fuck they're staying, they're staying alive, but. They have, like, a pole, like, in the subway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just holding a strap. Like, no it's bathroom, all yeah. <laughs> Or you have to pay extra for the bathroom. Yeah, exactly. It's a quarter bathroom. You know, like you got to take a shit. It's two dollars. Like no bathroom. So also going down to San Diego, you go down there a lot. It's not so far, maybe. No, I the uh, weekend. Also. Yeah, I go. So my buddy Josh Nelson runs a bunch of shows down there. A um, bunch of great shows. Uh, so if you're ever down there, I could probably get you in touch with him for sure. Um, but. Uh, I probably go down there the same thing four or five times a year for shows and stuff. I don't, it's funny. I don't get to go down there to just hang out as much as I used to, you know, with friends and bullshit around because um, of comedy and whatnot. But, uh, and also like, dude, the drive down there is one of the tougher ones. Like it, it's, it's 120 miles, but it'll take you a good three and a half hours. Like, how do you mean tough though? Traffic just wise? traffic, dude. I mean, like, unless you leave really early, really late. So like, if you're going for like fun on a weekend, the getting out, there's a real bitch, but like, you know, for a comedy show, I'll, I'll drive out early in the morning and, you know, avoid all that. But it's a, it's a great town and a great comedy town. It, it's kind of like LA with none of the fucking, with less of the problems, you know, like less homeless, less, uh, congestion. It's the best weather in the country too. Right? Yeah. The, the, the women are just as hot with none of the attitude problem, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't need an adjustment because, you know, chicks up here, I mean, they're all looking to be Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio's next girlfriend. Yeah, you know, right, you know, right. Waiting wait, wait, wait for their <laughs> fucking twerking video to pop so they can stop working. <laughs> See, you know, I got I an OnlyFans. Everyone's saw, got OnlyFans with me. Yeah, dude. I saw um, I saw a funny meme. It was yeah, like. Chicks got OnlyFans with dudes got podcasts. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally. Leonardo DiCaprio dating 27 years old. Everyone's feeling inflation. Uh, yeah, exactly. Funny. It's a good that. meme. So uh, I was about to. Malibu clubs. Are there any there? No, you know, I haven't done comedy out in Malibu. I've done uh, up in Ventura County, like Thousand Oaks and uh, up there, but not in Malibu. I don't know. Maybe it's too stuffy. Maybe somebody should put it out there. That's the thing about like some of these towns, like you go down to Mosa Beach or Redondo, like those are beach towns. So like you'll get a local audience and they'll keep coming. But if you put a show in Alex, I have a, you know, the Tuesday show that I run, um, it could be hard getting people in because there's so much going on in town. But if like, I, I could imagine if you had like a local bar in Malibu that did comedy every blank night, you can build a pretty decent audience out there just because I mean, depending if they're not, you know, if it's not too hoity toity and they don't want to bother, but I think there's gotta be an audience out there. Just weird that like no one has done it yet, or at least not yeah. to my knowledge. That's right. That's what I was wondering. I've never heard yeah. of that. And you're, you start it up. What? <laughs> you should start it up. Yeah, move maybe. I don't know. We'll see. There are the taxes out here. You feel them. You know, people complain about the taxes, but do you feel them? Well, you definitely feel the price, the, the cost of shit. I mean, gas is probably the biggest one. That shit fucking hurts. I mean, it's like six, $7 a gallon. That'll, that'll gut you every time. But coming from Boston, I was surprised at how, at least when I moved, obviously things shot up after the pandemic, but rents were fucking more than reasonable because Boston's super expensive in that way. Like the cost of living back East is dumb high. Um, so coming out here was, it wasn't like a shock. Like if I was coming from Chicago, it might've been a bigger shock, but I mean, my rent went down when I moved from Boston to here um, and I got a parking spot. Um, obviously that's changed since the pandemic, but you know, I think the big the big hit is just adding the car and gas. You, I mean, because insurance is, is expensive, fucking like I said, gas. But you need it. Like, without a car, you're fucking pretty trapped, you know? What's been the best place you've done comedy so far, doing it in a lot of places, as you've spoken about? Um, yeah, I mean, the improv and the comedy store were great, obviously, because they're institutions. Uh, you talking about L.A.? Yeah, L.A. or maybe someplace in Texas. Someplace yeah, that maybe I mean, my we favorite, wouldn't expect. That. Yeah, my, uh, I wasn't expecting. I'll tell you right now, one that... that that blew my socks off this year was uh, McCurdy's in, in Sarasota, Florida. 
And it's, I mean, I'd say the average age of the audience is 60 plus. So, you know, I'm coming up there with my fucking bullshit. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't know if they're going to be able to, you know, if they're into this, you know, because I, I could be, I'm not that I'm dirty, but I could be controversial. Yeah, maybe I am a little, I work a little blue. But they were fucking awesome. Awesome crowd. Um, so shout out to McCurdy's in Sarasota. That's one that blew me up, blew, like blew me away recently. And then like my favorite clubs, I mean, all the clubs in Arizona, Temp, the Tempe Improv, Stand Up Live, CB Live, uh, Fort Worth might be the, my favorite room to do, the Fort Worth Hyenas. It's fantastic. I mean, that's the thing about, you know, if you get clubs, it's, I, don't, I feel like the formula is not that hard. You know, like I like, you know, a dark club, you know, with a, a packed tight fucking low ceilings. And I don't like a big high stage where you're like up above them, you know, knee high so you can get a little bit of rise so can all see you. And the fucking laughs just bounce off the room. But too many clubs try and get too fucking cute, you know, and build giant theaters and the, you lose a little bit of the experience. Like, if you could put 300 people in, the smaller the room with 300 people, the better for comedy, I feel like. You know, I mean, you've seen the cellar. You can't fucking, you can't move without walking across the stage to go to the bathroom. I mean, like, that's how tight it is. But that room rocks, you know what I mean? Because it just, everyone, it, it just bounces around the walls and comes right back at you. Which improv has been your favorite? And uh, are they all kind of the same? Because one of my No, no, really they're not. Like they're the not. One, um, uh, so there's, I think, to my knowledge, there's like Levity Live owns... So the improv is like a franchise. Levely Live owns a handful of them. And then uh, this guy, Joel, and some other investors own another handful of them. And the ones I typically do, the ones owned by this guy, Joel Bashcroft. And I mean, those are all awesome because they, like they have like a great setup in that, especially for like road comedy because, you know, Jeff and I like to have a, have a little cocktail after the show, like a gentleman. <laughs> we're 17 and you know and from the stage Jeff would be like oh, where, you know, where are we going to drink after this because he you know, we go with the crowd we're drinking for free <laughs> you know they're buying shots whatever. yeah, yeah I'll yeah, take that yeah. um, and those clubs are great the, the, uh, the improvs because they'll have like, like, the, the, like the improv in or the like stand up live in Phoenix and CB live in Phoenix the, uh, the West Palm improv in, uh, in West Palm Dania Beach has one they have up right next door they have a uh, Copper Blues, which is like a live rock club where they have a live band playing and then, they, you know, beers and drinks. And they always pair them together. So whenever we're on the road at one of those improvs, it's like, you know, we'll be at Copper Blues next door if you guys want to buy merch or get drinks or take photos or whatever. Um, and that's great because, I mean, you, you want, after, after you have a great set, you want, to, and you want to stay as close to the venue that you had it at as possible because that's where you're like, you know, where your shine is the brightest. Like, you know, like if you come off the stage and go right to the bar, those 300 people just saw you on stage kills like, Oh, you're the guy, you know, which is how you get the you're free him. shit. Which is how you get the free shit. You know, you the recognition. I mean, we all do this for recognition. Don't kid yourself. It's like, I don't want to, I want to craft the greatest joke. It's like, no, you want to be liked. <laughs> we all, we all have, we all have some fucking deficiency, you know, <laughs> that we're trying to fill. Maybe our dad didn't hug us enough or too much. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Maybe but, too much. Yeah. Too much creepier, <laughs> the creepy long hug. Um, but, that's fun on the road. So the improvs is, is a great chain. The fuck, uh, the highest clubs, uh, the funny bones are kind of like in the Midwest. Those are, those are always, yeah, there's some back East too. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I just like road comedy. I mean, that's the real thing I wanted to do in this. Like I don't, I didn't come into comedy thinking like, Oh, I want to be the next Jerry Seinfeld and have a sitcom or, you know, I want to be Kevin Hart in the movies. I want to do, I want to be on the road 40 weekends a year and doing my podcast, you know, more of like the Bill Burr, Joey Diaz, Tim Dillon model, you know, like where I, I have this and my, sh and my own comedy show and I don't need fucking CBS Viacom or, you know, NBC to bless me with a, a fucking TV show to validate me. I want to sort of build my own audience. Um, 
So I love traveling on the road. I mean, it's, it's the best. Dude. You go to a city for three days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you fly out Sunday. You get to do, you know, all the cool shit during the day when the shows aren't. And you get to do two shows at night, which is, you know, the best part of our day is comics. And you fucking go home. So like, dude, we did Huntsville, Alabama. I think Huntsville is like one of the coolest towns in, in the world. It might be a shithole because I was only there for three days. Yeah, and got to see the best parts of it. You know, like went to Top Golf, went to a fucking football game, Dope. did five comedy shows and left. I was like, this is awesome. You know, like, it's like Huntsville rocks. I'd go to Huntsville again. But I, I, you know, maybe people in Huntsville who listen tell me it sucks. But Would to me, you, it's awesome. Do you see yourself staying in L.A. the rest of your life and then traveling? Uh, I don't know. It's I think it's home for now. I'd like to do another year and, and see. I don't. Well, where would you go back to? That's the Boston? thing. That uh, that's the thing. The question is, would I try out another city, or you know, go back to Boston or New York? I, I do think at some point I'll probably do some time back in New York, but I don't know if I can make New York my permanent home just because it's. Dude, I graduated thirty some odd years there. You know, it's 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 a lot, and other places are cool. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of you know working on one more year here, and then seeing what I can afford and, wh- and what I want to do next. You know, is your family still in New York? Yeah, yeah, my my family's all still back there. And that would pull you back. You think in terms of like, I would make it an easier transition than back to Boston. But I did like Boston a lot, dude. I, I, by the time I left Boston, I, I liked it more than New York in some respects because it was very similar but a lot more manageable and a lot cleaner. You know, like and and, and slightly cheaper. You know, so it was like, oh, I, I get most of what I get in New York with half the bullshit. You know, I'm all about that. Like. Like I, I used to see people like that. You see people like that now, like fucking in and out the goddamn car line, the drive through line in and out will be, you know, 400 cars Nuts. long. And it's like, dude, that burger, you can get 80% as good a burger at McDonald's. There's no line. I'm, go, I'm going with it. If I can get 80% without waiting, I'm, that's good enough for me. Yeah. You know, like, but you'll see every jerk that's off. A new, that's a New York mindset too. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to waste my time. Like if I can get close enough and get the rest of my day back, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. You know, like, like good enough's good enough for now. The meme Lord. So Randy, before we get out of here, man, yeah. what is your hottest take i'd say having a podcast yourself is there something that you talk about frequently that people just need to stop doing or people need to start start doing oh man because i know you got some hot takes i got a lot yeah i mean pick a topic dude (laughs) i've gone i've gone off on on things ranging from 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 self-checkout to airbnbs no self-checkout like it's see i've I've like railed against things as 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 mundane as self-checkout or as like existential as as you know what happens when you die you know, just oh, I like that. Like just last week, I was you know, I was asking someone, "Are you afraid to die?" Like, "Oh yeah," I don't, that, my guest, and like, "Oh yeah," it seems horrible. And I'm like, "No, dude, I think dying sounds horrible. I think being dead sounds fucking perfectly fine. You yeah, know what I mean? you it know. sounds really relaxing. You're just asleep. Like, yeah, exactly. It's, it's like sleep. It's like before you were born. Like dying, that sounds horrible. Like a, a long, slow death, right? But if you just go to sleep one night and don't wake up, you don't Ooh. you don't know that you died. That's You're the like, way to go. Yeah, of course, of course. And people are like, oh, that sounds horrible. I'm like, no, it doesn't. I was like, in fact, it's like, in fact, I'm convinced I'm going to kill myself at some point. Not now. <laughs> not so now. Nice. Not now. But when I'm like 87 and I have Alzheimer's and before I forget my kids' names, I'd rather just you know, I'd rather you remember to kill yourself. Yeah, more. yeah, exactly. I want to. I was like, all right, guys, I want to. I want to go out while I'm still like here. You know, like I think there's no like the, the the withering away seems like the horrible part. You know. And obviously, you know, obviously I'm being a little facetious with that, but you know, there's a hot take for you. You know, relationships, I've gone off on that before. I think marriage is dumb. Unless you have kids. Talk about you know, it. Then it's talk- about a transfer of assets. Bro, makes- I mean, we've talked about Andrew yeah, You can Tate love someone without getting the government involved. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's what Andrew Tate says, right? <laughs> exactly. Dude, I, and I also told, uh, I don't know if I told the story in a podcast, but uh, I actually dated a, uh, a divorce attorney when I was my last year living in New York. Yeah. And she, uh, and you know, she herself was divorced and I'm like, did it get pretty serious though? By the no, way? no, no, no. I mean, we dated for six months, something like that. But, 
Uh, she's like, was like, why'd you get married if you're a divorce attorney? He's like, well, you think you know better, <laughs> which is hilarious. But I asked her, I was, I was like, it's like, they, they shoot me straight. Like in a divorce, like do the lawyers really like, obviously you're, you want to make money. So you want as many billable hours, hours as possible. Like, do you guys ever do anything funny? She's like, oh yeah, what are you talking about? I was like, I know all the other divorce attorneys. Either I work with them on a case or I'm often working against them. He's like, and if, and if, and if uh, a couple's resolving their conflict too, like, too quickly and we want more billable hours, you know, we'll call each other up and be like, hey, we should start a little bit of a beef about something to keep the clock running. So I was like, I, was like, That's, I knew that was happening but I'd never had it confirmed for me before. That's why I'm not saying her name, but there's, that's another reason. Like, yeah, that's why you don't get married because the, the lawyers get a third of your property. You guys get to split two thirds and they get a third. So it's literally a no-win situation. You could love and be with a person forever and not have the consequences of the government and lawyers fucking around getting in, in the middle of, of you, your relationship if it happens to go wrong. You know, that's why I said if you get married, it should be for the kids because then, you know, that's basically, you know, assigning property to them. The if any one of you die, yeah, which makes sense. Like, so, you know, that's, that's like a, a legal good reason. But if you love somebody and don't have kids with them, what the fuck are you doing getting married? Like, <laughs> you, gotta be, you gotta be insane, you know? <laughs> you gotta be nuts. Love that. Randy, thank you so much for coming yeah, on man. the podcast, Thanks for having man. Me, brother. Really appreciate it. Anything else you want to shout? Well, let's shout out your Instagram. Shout yeah. out your uh, podcast. We'll pop it up right here. Excellent. Uh, uh, follow me at Randy Valero, R-A-N-D-Y-V-A-L-E-R-I-O on Instagram. Uh, and then check out the podcast, Ready, Set, Blow podcast. Every Wednesday, we're on all platforms. Appreciate you having me, bud. Amazing, man. And so uh, hit us up when you're back in New York, and we'll hit Absolutely. you when we're uh, back in L.A. Guys, tune in Monday. We'll see you next time. Peace.